day is done, and now that the sun is down, it's time for WTMJ at night to kick off the show this evening. Here's your host, Brian Noonan. go a new era at wtmj same old host new name of the show it is wtmj at night glad you are with us if you want to get involved in the program you always can on the wtmj talk and text line 855-616-1620 when you uh, call or text well when you call you'll be talking to isaac he's producing tonight when you'll be texting you'll just be uh, sending your message into the ether but why not start with our text question of the night in your on this president's day here is our question in your opinion who was the greatest and the worst president and why and i'll uh, explain why i'm asking that other than the fact that it's president's day in just a minute i just want to take a second because today was a big day at wtmj it was very exciting we uh, unveiled our new lineup and our new direction which is uh, news and information which we were doing before um but now it, it's it's more focused on that. And the reason the name of the show changed is because we want to give the uh, impression that we are more connected to WTMJ for the rest of the day. You know, for so, sometimes it feels like we're an island at night, and that, that works out great sometimes. Uh, but this is exciting because we're going to have... Uh, a lot of cooperation between all the shows now. So all the producers are messaging each other and telling people, hey, we had this interview on our show, or we covered this story, this was on the news, whatever. It's there if you need it, and uh, the hosts are sharing information and stuff. So it's it's really great. So if you miss something that happened that was really exciting during, like, Steve Scafidi's show or the morning news or any of the other shows, and uh, I find it and I go, you know what, this is something that I need to bring to uh, the folks at night, that's what we'll do. And we're also going to just, uh, oh, here's what won't change. We're still going to have a good time. There's still going to be some laughs, but we are going to still keep talking about the stories and the issues that are important to you, and that's why I open the phones and the texts so that you can get involved in all of that. Um, that's pretty much it, right, Isaac? Uh, we changed. We took away an S, and we added an AT to the, uh, begin, to the name of the show. We made it a little more jazzy, too, I think. Yeah, oh, man, a stranger in a black sedan. Uh, we get uh, the Ides of March. With the new, uh, the new opening. I do have one issue with the opening. Uh, it's great now because it says now that the sun is down. And sure, in February, the sun's down. But uh, in a couple months, am I not going on till after like nine? Is that, are we going to have a new showtime after that? Cause the sun will be gone by then or the sun will be up by then. Sun is out now. Sun will still be out in the summer. I, I, either way, it's great. I don't want to nitpick. Who knows? It's the first day. Let's, uh, let's just, uh, Let's have some fun. All right, so here's the reason I asked our text question of the night, which is, uh, on this President's Day, in your opinion, who was the greatest and worst president and why? Because today, the 2024 Presidential Greatness Project survey came out. If you haven't heard of this, they've done this uh, for the last number of years. It started in 2015, and it's 150 historians from around the country participate in this survey. Which I found fascinating because listen, we all have we, we all have a favorite. And a lot of us only think of the presidents when we were alive, which makes sense, or when we started voting. You know, you look at presidents you voted for and you have a, a, an attachment to them because, you know, they were your presidents. But these people go all the way back to George Washington. All the way back, uh all forty six presidents, 
46 different presidents, and they rank them. And the rankings may surprise you, may not. Um, again, this is a hundred, 150. And then they, they go back and they also say who's, uh, who's gone up and who's gone down since 2015 and how many they've dropped. I will tell you, Andrew Jackson uh, has dropped the farthest. He is now the 21st on this uh, presidential greatness ratings and ranking scale. He has dropped down 12 points, 12 places. So uh, he's the most. Uh, Polk dropped six. He's now at 25. And Calvin Coolidge is down seven. He's at 34. But according to this, Abraham Lincoln is still the greatest president in the history of this country, according, according to this survey of, again, 150 historians. Um, so he, he was the top in 2015. He was the top in 2018. Uh, right behind him, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, George Washington, Teddy Roosevelt, and Thomas Jefferson. Those are your top five. Abraham Lincoln, FDR, George Washington, Teddy Roosevelt, Thomas Jefferson are the top five. Now, this is going to upset, uh, this is going to upset some people, but um, Donald Trump finished last. He finished behind such notorious presidents as James Buchanan and Andrew Johnson, who happened to be the first president that was impeached. Um, this, again, not me talking, but, uh, you, you know, I know sometimes you want to shoot the messenger figuratively. Uh, Trump did finish first with historians in one category. He was voted the most polarizing president ever. All right, we're getting some text. Reagan, best, worst, I have a split ticket tie uh, to what we got from, to what we got, all right. Uh, from the 608, Obama was the best. Obama came in seventh on this list. So here's the top ten. I gave you the top five already. So number six, Harry Truman. Number seven, Barack Obama. Eight was Dwight Eisenhower. Lyndon Baines Johnson at number nine. And John Kennedy was at number ten. Um, it was basically, it was pretty much split, you know, um, between Republicans and Democrats. Everybody, everybody voted, these historians. And, uh, again, your bottom five are Harrison, Pierce, Johnson, Buchanan, and Trump. So there you go. Uh, in 20, let's see. Yeah, they... Well, Trump wasn't in in 2015, so there was that. Uh, he's down one from 2018. So he was not the last last time, but he is the last this time. All right, let's take a quick um, a quick break because the big story today, and you've been hearing about it all day on WTMJ, is the governor signing in the new maps for the elections. He did it. No more gerrymandering. I guess. We'll see. I want your opinion, too. 855-616-1620. We'll talk about that and hear a little from the governor. It's WTMJ at night. It's Brian Noonan, WTMJ at night. New show, same host. You can be happy for one or for both or upset about either. But we're glad you're here. 855-616-1620, the WTMJ Talk and Text Line. You've been hearing about this story this, since this morning. I've been following this all day, and I'm probably as confused as you are. Uh, 
I understand that Governor Evers has uh, now done what he's done and signed the new legislative maps. Um, the Republicans tried to draw and pass, well, the, the Republicans drew maps in 2011, uh, which put the Democrats in a really deep minority in the legislature. Well, now the Democratic governor has signed this new law, uh, and the Republican lawmakers went along with it. They weren't really happy about it, but they went along with it. The surprising thing is all but two Democratic lawmakers voted against it. They were hoping that if it wasn't passed and the governor didn't sign it, that it would go to the Supreme Court and they might get a better deal than they got now. Uh, as I was going over this today and listening to everybody on the different shows, it seems like a pretty good deal. But this is what the governor had to say when he signed uh, signed the, the bill and made this a law, and the new maps are in. These maps will take effect immediately after publication and will be in place for the fall elections, providing certainty for candidates and campaigns. I will also be asking the Wisconsin Supreme Court to clarify that these maps will be in place for any special elections that occur between now and the fall. And that's, that's still uh, up in the air. We heard Jack talk about this during the news, and I heard it at the end of uh, Wisconsin's Afternoon News as well. They're not sure exactly when these maps are going to, to go into effect. The governor wants them in effect right now. But uh, he also said at the press conference today, quote, to me, the decision to enact these maps boils down to this. I made a promise to the people of Wisconsin that I would always try to do the right thing. Keeping that promise to me matters most, even if members of my own party disagree with me. Uh, for the breakdown, it seems nobody's really getting a, a big advantage with these new maps. What it seems to be doing, and I, I think this is great, is making things a little more even across the board. Uh, because, uh, listen, as we know, Wisconsin is very purple. We got red play, uh, red parts. We got blue parts. Every we're never never sure what's going on, but here's the difference in the numbers. When the Republicans drew the maps, the Republicans hold 64 of the 99 assembly seats and 22 of 33 of the Senate seats. You guys probably know that it was you know the Republicans had the deal. Well, now the governor drew these new districts. And they split up pretty evenly between Republican and Democratic leading districts. Um, 46 of the districts are more Republican than Democrat. Eight districts are likely to be a toss-up between Democrats and Republicans. Uh, the districts are also evenly split between Republican and Democratic leading districts. 14 out of the 33 are Democratic uh, for Senate districts. 15 of the Senate districts are Republican-leaning. So, you know... You you can't get much better. You have an odd number. There's always going to be one more. Um, four district. The four other districts are very competitive. So I think what the Democrats were hoping for from what uh, and listen, I'm wondering what you're thinking about this too because this is really what affects you. It will affect the politicians. But let's be honest. Do we really worry what affects the politicians? No, we worry about what affects us. So there isn't an instant Democratic majority, which I'm sure a lot of people were worried about. There's going to be more competitive elections in the general election. If you talked, there was, uh, I was reading in the Journal Sentinel, a lot of uh, retired legislators 
who were Democrats, said, you know, things could get done and you could vote different ways back before these new rules, uh, the, the maps that the Republicans drew up in 2011. So this may make it easier for things to get done because you're going to have a much more, in theory, balanced legislature. Nobody's going to have such a big majority that they rule the roost and nothing can get done. So I, I think this is going to be good for everybody. I don't know. Uh, I don't know about you, but it's you know it would be easy. It would have been easy um, if Evers had done this differently for no Republicans to back it. You know, there's there was some drama from the Republicans today. Uh, you know, saying that they were unhappy, but they this was in. I'm paraphrasing now. The uh, you know the lesser of many evils. And again, the Democrats just thought they'd get a better deal if they went to the courts, but uh, no, they would. I don't think they would. I mean, how much? You can't complain all these years about the Republicans drawing up maps that were clearly gerrymandering, and then want to do it yourself. That's you know, that's not going to work. That's not right. Cannot have it. So that's all done. But that's uh, that was the big story all day today, and it's. It is a big story if you are, uh, well, no matter who you are, but I think if you're a Democrat, you're finally started, you're, you go, oh, okay, we might have a little more representation in the state legislature. And again, if that's your party, that's what, uh, that's what you want to happen. Our text question of the night, again, based on that, uh, the historian's poll, who was the best and worst, worst president and why, you can, uh, Answer that throughout the show. Somebody from the 262, agree about Trump finishing last because he made the presidency presidency all about himself instead of dutifully executing the duties of the office. I think Jefferson was best because he had the vision to dream and expand the U.S. across North America with the Louisiana Purchase and then commissioning Lewis and Clark to explore and map it. What say you at 855-616-1620? Isaac, please do me a favor. If I ever say what say you again, uh, feel free to hit me over the head with a blood instrument. You got it. I, that is the mo. I, I don't know why I said that. It sounds so pompous and ridiculous, and yet it exploded out of my mouth. Just like something exploded out of Adam Sandler's mouth last night that made, oh, a lot of people very upset. It was just a simple misunderstanding. We'll talk about that next on WTMJ at Night. You can always have a little misunderstanding. Even if you're a big celebrity going to uh, the People's Choice Awards, which Adam Sandler did last night, he thought he was being inducted as People's Sexiest Man Alive, allegedly. He was really getting People's Icon Award at the People's Choice Award. Uh, He was introduced by Jennifer Aniston, and then he uh, went on a journey through his finally acknowledged sexiness because he thought he was getting the sexiest man alive. And this, oh, as you can imagine on the Internet, this had people going crazy. This, oh, they were very upset that Adam Sandler, he, this is, this is something, it, couldn't find the recording, but it said, to the People Magazine's Academy members of hotness and sexual attractiveness, I would like to say thank you for recognizing me as the man who made our entire country the horniest this year. Uh, he said he was trying to be gracious, and uh, he did say it was about time that he won this award. Uh, he said, for decades, Adam Sandler has been waiting patiently on this. I hate when people talk about themselves in the third person. On the sexy bench 
with his legs wide open, radiating sexuality, and a slight hint of uh, to tastefully display his, her, or their pleasure. Uh, folks, yeah, how you doing? That's Adam Sandler. Uh, could be one of the least sexiest men alive. One of the funniest men alive, which goes to the point that he was kidding. And it goes to the point that, once again, people have lost all sense of humor. If you really think that Adam Sandler believed that he was getting the Sexiest Man Alive Award and was waiting for years, getting the country on the verge of just insanity, sensual madness, no, he didn't give us the sexual healing. But people believed him. I don't know how they believed him. Um, he said that the award will sit proudly on his nightstand, where it will witness, quote, many feats of romantic gymnastics performed gently on my fine wife. <laughs> so, if you, thought, if you thought Adam Sandler was serious last night, first of all, why were you watching the People's Choice Awards? Uh, who cares what other people think about <laughs> You know, they voted this person the best comedy actress, and I don't believe she's been funny once in her life. Well, they, they don't watch the People's Choice Awards. These awards are self-serving and stupid. But Adam Sandler is funny, and he's also good in dramatic roles, and of course he's going to play this up. They voted him an icon. He probably doesn't think he's an icon. He probably just thinks he's a guy who's doing really well and uh, is lucky. But, you know, here we go. He is, uh, he believes himself to be the sexiest man alive. Said to do that, you should embrace your chubbiness, lean into your goofiness, and hang out with David Spade and Rob Schneider so you can look handsomer and three feet taller than you actually are. That's what I do when I hang around with Isaac and Jack Rao, even though Jack's pretty tall. But he's sitting down now as he gets ready to do the news because at 7.30, we go to the WTMJ Breaking News Center, and there is Jack Rao. the upbeat music of WTMJ at night. That's right. New name, same old host. But are we going to be saying new term, same old presidents when we get closer? I was watching uh, the Sunday morning news programs because I like to drive myself crazy first thing in the morning. Before I've even had my coffee, I like my blood pressure to skyrocket and listen to my wife scream at the television. So uh, yesterday morning, because uh, I was watching ABC, and then I switched to NBC for a little bit, and Patty Davis was on Meet the Press. She is, of course, the daughter of former President Ronald Reagan and Nancy Reagan. And uh, while she didn't always agree with her father and was vocal about uh, not supporting some of his policies while he was in office, they did reconcile as he when he became ill, and they ended, uh, you know, they were close toward the end, which is all great. But what got me yesterday was she endorsed competency tests for presidential candidates. And I believe that is a wonderful idea. Because, now listen, I... Remember, now, Isaac, you're too young for this, but uh, Ronald Reagan was elected, and everybody thought he was so old when he was elected. 
Oh my gosh, how's this going to be? He was the oldest person ever elected. Isaac, guess how old Ronald Reagan was when he was elected? I don't know off the top of my head. I'm going to guess 68. He was 69. Close. That was very good. You were very close. He was 69 when he was elected. At that point, he was the oldest person ever elected president. Now, that has been broken twice. First by Donald Trump. He was inaugurated at age 70. Uh, then Joe Biden, of course, who was 78 when he was sworn in in 2021. Donald Trump was 70 in 2017, so he's 74. Joe Biden is uh, 80, 81. Yes, 81. Going to be 82. So there's been a lot of talk about this. And everybody, everybody. Donald Trump brags about passing this, some competency test. Everybody is questioning Joe Biden's competency. You know what? This should be, I don't care how old you are. We do it for football quarterbacks. With their, they take their test to see it's, uh, Isaac, do you remember the name of this test? The, uh, I want to say ringling test, but that's not it. The fact uh, that you can't remember doesn't necessarily bode well for you. Well, I'm, listen, I don't know if I'd pass a competency test. I fail one just about every night here. But, um, fingerling test, I think is what it is. Something like that. Anyway, that's the quarterback. We do it for quarterbacks in the NFL. They have to pass a test to see if they're smart enough to be a quarterback. Why don't we have that test? Once you narrow it down to the top few nominees in each party, or top few candidates, rather, in each party, have them take it instead of a debate. I would rather watch four people sitting on a stage taking a test and then broadcast those results live as they happen. Then there's not going to be anybody going, yes, you know what? I uh, identified a cow. It was very exciting. And they go, no, you didn't. That was a buffalo. Well, you're just trying to make up something to make me look stupid. Nope, you made yourself look stupid. And I think, I think if we do that for anybody, no matter what their age is, but especially if we have two candidates, the Wonderlick test, thank you, the Wonderlick test uh, from the uh, 414 giving me the tip in. That is absolutely correct. Uh, write that down, Isaac. We may need it later in the, uh, I don't know, in the history of man. We may need to pull up the Wonderlick test again. So be honest. Wouldn't you love to see Donald Trump and Joe Biden sitting somewhere taking a test and then once and for all go, well, uh, candidate A, you scored a 67. Candidate B, you scored a 68. So really, neither one of you passed but you're one point more competent than your opponent and see and then we can put all this to rest all the because let's be honest if you're old and you're with it you can do the job if you're young and you're dumb you can't do the job so it doesn't age age matters when you're looking at someone's health if they're you know if they have high blood pressure, if they have heart disease, if there's a chance, a good chance, that they may have a medical emergency and die in office, yeah, age may come into play with that, but you can never tell. But here's an example. I'm on the board for the Irish American Hall of Fame, and I'm handling one of the inductees this year, Dr. Joseph Kerwin, who was on the Skylab One mission. He is 91 years old. He's in an assisted living facility. I spoke to, I've spoken to him a number of times on the phone. This man is 
more with it than I am. He would have known Wonderlick test immediately. So he's 91, he's with it. Now, he doesn't have to run the country, but he he recalls all the details of the missions. He recalls, he's able to, he sent me stuff with all kinds of uh, notes that on, on them that he's remembered. It's so age, you know, we all like to, it's sad in this society, we all like to poo-poo people as they get old, you know? Isaac looks at me and he just shakes his head. Like, when is this fossil going to shut up? I understand. I've been around a long time. But that doesn't necessarily make me useless. But let's stop all this pretending. I'm with Patty Davis. What do you think? 855-616-1620. I think it's a great idea if they, uh, if they made candidates of all ages take a competency test. Plus, because I'll be honest. Are we, are we sick of hearing former President Trump brag about this competency test that he took? We don't know what it is. Let's see it. Let's, let's have head-to-head. Let's have Nikki Haley, Donald Trump, Joe Biden sit down, take a test. Then we can decide for real. It, wouldn't it be nice to operate on facts? I think I, I don't know. I may be... This may, Isaac, this may set me apart as, I don't know, some cranky, fringe-dwelling uh, lunatic, but I think facts are important. I would like to see see the results. All right, let's take, let's take a quick break. Uh, they gave me a pen. It was rigged. Oh, no, nobody's, nobody's rigging nothing. This would be, this would be in front of everybody. You can't, see, that's the thing. It's like January 6th. You, you can convince some people that their eyes didn't see what they saw. You can't convince everybody. And if we watch you take the test, and there's ways we, there's ways we could do it. You could have cameras shooting down at each person's paper so you're seeing them fill in the, fill in the dots. You can have... Two or three different questioners who were alternating the questions, so it's not, well, this person we found out back in the day was on the McCarthy committee, so he did. No, no, no. You get three different questioners. They alternate. Question number one is from questioner A. Question number two from B. Question number three from C, and so on. You've got cameras facing the front. They have the little privacy screens like we put up for kids in school when they're taking a test. So the candidates are behind the privacy screen. The camera is shooting down from overhead. So you know they're not, uh, you know, you see, oh, did Joe Biden write something on his hand? Does Donald Trump have a crib note in his French cuff? Did Nikki Haley write something on the side of her shoes? All the ways people used to cheat back in the day? Can't do it. Get him on camera. Be terrific. No voting machines. No, uh, no electronic machines. So we can, oh, no, no, no. It's handwritten. Hand graded. The three questioners also are the three graders. Everything's done in the open. Am I making too much of this? I don't think so. I think it would be great TV. Much more interesting than these debates where all they do is spout off their talking points and have nothing else to say. We have a lot to say about free sausage and a musical single release. 
a lot to say, so we better do it after this on WTMJ at night. It's Brian Noonan. This is WTMJ at night, the first day of the rest of our lives here at WTMJ. Looking forward to it. A lot of big things happening today on the first day of the new uh, rollout. I was listening all day. Things sounded uh, very good, so it's only going to get better from here. Uh, what's better than Bratwurst? How about free Bratwurst? Yes. Oh, for over 140 years, uh, Usinger's famous sausage have maintained their tradition. For the 17th year in a row, the city is going to gather to celebrate those efforts with a holiday unlike any other. It is Fred Usinger Day this Friday from 8 to 8. All you got to do is uh, go down to Old German Beer Hall on uh, North Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Drive and celebrate Fred Usinger Day. That's right. They're going to give you one free sausage per person while supplies last, so get there early. This year's sausage is a special one, a reimagined Old German Beer Hall brat. It's a smoked bratwurst made with Hofbrau Dunkel Lager beer and Applewood smoked bacon. If that doesn't sound good to you, you really have never eaten a bratwurst. You should go. Uh, should go that sounds good. Uh, so that's this Friday from 8 to 8. Oh, guess who's going to be driving through Milwaukee on Friday between 8 and 8? Uh, the old German Beer Hall is going to be hosting an all-day celebration. At 6 p.m., Frederick Fritz Usinger IV will honor tradition by tapping a wooden keg of Hofbrau Munich beer, offering attendees 21 and over the opportunity to sample the celebratory brew until it runs out. So if you're looking for free meat, that doesn't sound right. If you'd like a free bratwurst, then... <laughs> That still sounds a little iffy, but uh, you know what I'm talking about. It's Fred Usinger Day this Friday from 8 to 8 at the Old German Beer Hall. So go check that out. we got to do this, and then there's something else you might want to check out, something near and dear to WTMJ at night. What is that? Well, I'll tell you after this. Pumping it back in for the last few minutes with a hot local band that is barely civil. Oh, wouldn't you know, one of the members of Barely Civil is here. Yes, Isaac is uh, one of the members of Barely Civil, and uh, big news for tomorrow, Isaac. Yes, big news indeed. We have a single coming out tomorrow, the last single we're putting out for this new album that comes out next month. And what is, what is the name of this single? Uh, this single is a song called Not Fine. It's Not sort fine. of the title track or part of the title track of the album it's called i'd say i'm not fine okay um, so this is the this is the end of side a it's the contemplative slow burn type song oh i like that you used old-timey terms like the end of side a um because i grew up with albums and albums had sides and albums were put together a lot of them thematically the good ones they'd all kind of fit uh fit a thing what it it's got to be so different now to to do this. So you're you're putting out a single. That means what? You're it's you're releasing it on all the different platforms? Yes, it's going out to all the streaming platforms. It is being pitched to the various playlist curators for those platforms. It's it's a very involved process. You got to submit things to Spotify give a description of the song and the various moods that that track might sort of encompass. And then it's a roll of the dice as to whether or not they put you on any playlist. So is it, 
when you say you're you're pitching it to the curators of these plays, is that like in the old days where somebody, an R&D guy, would go around to radio stations and try to convince the program director to play the music? You know, I can't for sure speak to that because I don't okay. I don't work for Spotify. But you know, yeah, it's that you're kind of the R and D guy pitching it to the radio station that is Spotify's various playlists. How much uh, cocaine's involved? Giving, uh, trying to get these guys to play your music. That was a big thing back in the day. Uh, none on my end. I can't speak none for anyone yours. else. All right, good. I. <laughs> Very nice. So, all right. And again, I don't know this, so uh, forgive me. I do use I use Spotify and all that. I, I subscribe. I got the premium, the whole nine. I like it. I love it. I love looking up old albums and putting them in my library. How does it work for a, a young band like you? So you're releasing this single tomorrow. Obviously, there's algorithms and there's ways to keep track. But how do you measure how well it's doing? Well, we we still do have physical media. You know, we're going to be putting out uh, vinyl records for this album. We're going to be selling tapes for this album. No oh, CDs, really? as far as I know. Um, but, you know, the metric of success, I guess, is measured in how many records and tapes we sell, how many digital yeah. downloads we sell, and a big part of it is the amount of streams that we're getting as well. Oh, all right. Yeah. So I need to stream your song tomorrow. You know what? You could stream it at 11 o'clock tonight, our time, because it comes out at East Coast Midnight. All right. Once again, the song is not fine. The band is barely civil. Uh, this was it, the first WTMJ at night. We'll be back tomorrow. Try it again. Hopefully you're with us. Have a wonderful night. Isaac, good luck with the single, and thank you for all your help tonight. Uh, oh, man, look at this. Bucks Weekly with our man, Mr. Garcia, is next after the news. Good night.